Hey friends, this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, Lonesome Road Ministries, Church on the Road, and we're excited. I got my partner, Daryl Spicer, with me, and he's excited too. I'm excited because we're going to bring trailer trucking to the radio. We're a couple old trailer truckers, and our ministry is to the driver. But you know, that's the way it started, but all of a sudden we figured it out. It's not a truck driving ministry, it's a whosoever ministry. So we're going to hopefully enlighten you a little bit about the trucking industry, but more importantly, we want to bring Jesus to the drivers out there on the road and to you. So join us now for Church on the Road. This is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, and alongside of me is my partner, Daryl Spicer of Channel 21 Ministries. Hey, Daryl, what are we going to do today? Well, today we're going to hitchhike. <laughs> we're going to ask this driver if we can get up the truck with him and ride along with him for a while. You reckon he'd let us ride along with him? Well, there's two of us, one of him. There you go. Yep. Hey, I like that truck he's got. 
That is one of the nice trucks. Got them big old pipes on it. I love them big, large cars. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of them store-bought trucks. Got them mm. lights and chicken I, lights all over it. He, I bet he's got a meat-hauling radio in there, <laughs> I too. I wouldn't doubt it a bit. I love them chicken lights, don't I you? I do, too. Yeah, I do too. got them chrome stacks, man. I'm telling you, it makes me want to go back to driving. Not. 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 <laughs> all right, well, let's jump up in the cab. And, driver, we appreciate you. Appreciate this opportunity. We want to play this CD for you today of our friend Terry Hopkins. And if you met him today, you would think he was a congressman from the state of Georgia. Yeah, you would. He's he, a southern gentleman. He, he's definitely a southern gentleman. God cleaned up his act. If you've heard the CD, Bus 19, or heard that program, yeah. uh, this is more of the same and then some on steroids. Oh, man, this is going to be a great yeah. program. And we got some great music we're going to play along with this testimony today. Joe Arview. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, we're going to put on a song by Joe Arview. I'm going to give you his phone number. Now, don't tell him where you got this phone number, but I want you to call him, and you can call him any hour of the day. He loves those calls. Oh, brother. Especially about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And don't tell him I said. Tell him Gary said. <laughs> but Joe's phone number is 618-927-1986. And he has got some great music. He's got a website, joerview.com. Check him out, and you'll be glad you did. So, driver, how about put this CD in the player? Let's listen to Joe Rview, and then let's listen to Terry Hopkins. Here we go. Hang on. Buckle up. Daryl, and uh, what's back there in the bunk? Nothing. Nothing. This guy spent all his money on chrome and lights. <laughs> well, I heard that. Here is our good friend, Joe Arview. I was driving down that 18 Bottoms Road With a pounding in my head from 18 wheels on the road With a hard day behind I look ahead Through the windshield of my truck That keeps my family fed Well I caught myself a praying And wiping away my tears Thinking about a better place and time where I found Jesus and he took away my fears I guess that's why I'm not afraid to die Take me to a better place Take me to a better time I'm tired of this hard living I'm still too young to die If I could drive across this valley And never see another day But I tell you Jesus That it'd be okay I'll tell you, Jesus, that it'd be okay I'd love to see my family and home Watch my baby girl outside the play But life on the road is all I know God knows I still dream of a better day Take me to a better place Take me to a better time I'm tired of this hard living I'm still too young to die If I could drive across this valley And never see another day I tell you Jesus 
that it'd be okay But I tell you, Jesus, that it'd be okay But I know there's still some things I gotta do And I'm gonna be right here until I'm through And God will take me by the hand and get them done I'll go on home when my time is come And I'll take me to a better place Take me to a better time I'm tired of this hard living I'm still too young to die If I could drive across this valley And never see another day i tell you, Jesus That'd be okay But i tell you, Jesus that it'd be okay But I tell you, Jesus I guess I'm gonna stay Alright, that's our good friend Joe Arview and you can give him a call, 618-927-1986. And now, what do we got going on now, Daryl? Well, Chaplain Gary. Yes, sir. We got one of our best friends. He is a very good friend of He's ours. He's a good man. He's a good individual. Married to a great lady. Yes. Um, but he's going to talk to us a little bit today about, you know, when you have an enemy, and that enemy might even be your own father. Hmm. He's going to show us how God could mend them fences. There's no way Terry could do it. There's no way his dad was going to do it. But the good Lord inside of Terry Hopkins helped him mend that fence. And that's the story today. Yeah. And there's a lot of stories inside this story. Yeah. But that's the one that sticks out to me. Yeah. I, lo- I love the title of this. And uh, it may scare some drivers off. But it, the title of this uh, CD that we have here at Lonesome Road is I Fell in Love with Jesus. And that's exactly what happened to Terry Hopkins. Amen. Here's Terry Hopkins' story. The Bible says that if some have compassion, making a difference. So from this point on, this is all about Jesus. But I want to tell you a little story. I grew up in a little town in North Georgia. And uh, our family, we didn't go to church. My dad was drunk. My dad beat my mom, beat my sisters, beat me. And I hated him. And I thought if there was a God, it looked like if he was a good God, he'd kill him. And when he didn't, I thought, well, there must not be a God or he must not be a good God. And so uh, I thought if I can ever get out of here, I'm going to get out of this house. Well, when I was 15 years old, I didn't have to get out. He threw me out. Well, I... I didn't know what to do. I was 15 years old. And listen, North American Mission Board did my life story about five years ago. And after they heard my testimony, uh, Wolfgang, I can't remember the rest of his name, but the guy that does the productions for them came up to me after my testimony and he said, I've just got one question. And I said, what's that? He said, are you lying? I said, no, brother, I'm not lying. And they did my testimony. They went back and documented all of it, but he threw me out. And so I went and I decided, well, what was happening then was the hippies. And I decided, well, that's what I'll be. I'll be a hippie. And I got in with those guys and those guys introduced me to drugs, introduced me to alcohol. And uh, listen, when you don't work, you don't have anywhere to live. And we lived in a tent for nine months. 
and lived in a 55 Oldsmobile. And I, I got with some guys down there and listen, they, they were some rough guys and they were going out at night and they were stealing cows and asked me, did I want to go? And I said, well, sure. I said, yeah, why not? I said, I'll go. I'll see what you're doing. And you go out in a cow pasture at three o'clock in the morning, chase down little calves and put them in the trunk of a car. And I can tell you for sure, you can put five calves in the trunk of a 1969 Dodge Charger. <laughs> well, those guys, listen, they, they were stealing those cows and they'd go sell them. And, and I never took any of the money. I just went, I don't know why I went, but I went, but those guys got caught. And listen, they put those guys in jail. And for whatever reason, they didn't tell on me. But I knew it was time to get out of there. And so I decided I was headed to Atlanta, Georgia. I had acquired a 1955 Oldsmobile. It didn't have any seats in it. All it had was one Coca-Cola crate. And I'd have to sit on that Coca-Cola crate. And when I'd sit on the Coca-Cola crate, I'd have to lean back. Well, when I'd lean back, my hair would blow out the back window. And how many of you remember eight-track tape players? You're telling on yourself. I had an eight-track tape player. Listen, I was headed up I-85 to Atlanta, Georgia, playing Grand Funk Railroad. Uh-huh. Yeah, you remember. And, and, amen. And so I went to Atlanta, and I thought, well, I'll start over up here. And I got up there, and I found out they would front you drugs. That means they'd give you drugs, and you'd sell the drugs and bring the money back to them. And so I decided, well, I can do this. So West Georgia College wasn't far. I wasn't going to college, but I went down there and decided I'd go and sell drugs down there. There's a lot of kids down there. And I did. And, and I saw a lady down there, and I, honest to God, I thought, now, if I had her, I'd be the happiest man on planet Earth. I mean, I would be the happiest man that ever lived. And I started talking to her, and I, I, I asked her would she date me, and she said no. And about three months later, I asked her would she marry me, and she said no. And I tell you one thing, I, I kept right after her until she said yes. And she said yes, she'd marry me. Listen, I married her, and, and uh, hey, I thought, man, life is gonna be good. I cut my hair, I straightened up, I got a real job making real money and started doing real good and was just as miserable as I'd ever been in any moment of my life. Bought a new house, new car, put a swimming pool in. I mean, everything supposedly was supposed to be doing great. Started having a family, started having children. And listen, nothing was any better. The kids started growing up, started sending the kids uh, on a church bus. Of course, I wouldn't go, Betty wouldn't go. But the kids went. And they'd bring home those little papers that would talk about Jesus. And I'd sit at my bar and I'd wad them up and throw them away. And they rode one year, two years, three years. And then one afternoon, I was sitting out by that pool, had a half gallon of Bacardi rum. And I was fixing to take me a drink of that. I hadn't took a drink, but I was fixing to. A guy came to the fence dressed about like I am right now. And I thought, well, insurance salesman. And he seen me. I thought, there's no way out of this. And he said, Mr. Hopkins, can I come back and talk to you? And I said, well, sure. And he came back and he sat down and he said, Terry, I'm the bus minister from the church where your kids go. Well, when he said that, that liquor bottle looked like it was six feet tall and that big around. <laughs> and I thought, man, this ain't no time for no minister. And he said, listen, Terry. And I said, no, you listen. I said, if I want to go to church, I got a brand new truck out there and I'll go when I get ready. And he said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He said, you think I came to invite you to church? I said, well, that's what you guys do, isn't it? He said, oh man. He said, well, church won't help you. Well, I was offended. <laughs> I said, what do you mean church won't help me? He said, man, church won't help you. He said, but if you'll sit down, he said, give me about five minutes, I'll tell you what can help you. I said, have a seat. 
Well, he started telling me, he said, Terry, when's your birthday? I said, it's July the 4th, man. He said, man, everybody celebrates your birthday. I said, I don't know about everybody, man. I know I do. He said, so you were born July the 4th, huh? I said, that's right. He said, man, that's great. When were you born again? And I said, what? He said, when were you born again? And I said, man, I wasn't born again. I was born July the 4th. That's it. He said, you weren't born again? I said, no. He said, are you positive? I said, I'm absolutely positive. I was born July... 1949, the 4th. I said, I know that for sure. He said, oh, my, Terry. He said, would you read a verse for me? And I said, well, yeah, honest to God, I took that Bible and I looked to make sure my neighbors weren't looking. <laughs> and I read John 3, 3, where Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, Terry, who said that? I said, Jesus. He said, said you must what? And I said, be born again. He said, to go where? I said, to the kingdom of God. He said, well, Terry, you told me you weren't born again. I said, man, I'm, I'm not born again. I said, listen, I knew before you got here, I'll die and go to hell. He said, but Terry, that's why I'm here. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. And he said, Terry, I've got about three minutes. He told me, he said, except you repent. He said, Terry, the whole world is going to perish. He said, you'll perish. And he said, Terry, repent doesn't mean quitting sin. He said, repent means you are sorry for your sins. You agree with God that you're guilty. Made sense to me. He said, Terry, you got to believe. You got to believe Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the dead and did it for you. I'd always believed that. I didn't have any reason not to. And then he said, Terry, you got to receive him by faith. You can't see him. You can't hear him. You just got to receive him by faith. Terry, would you like to do that? And I said, no. He said, well, can I pray? And I said, you can pray, but don't pray for me. Well, of course, Rascal prayed and he prayed for me. And he left. Well, I went and sat back down and I sat there and I thought, well, now this is great. I sit here minding my own business. I felt fine about everything. Now I feel like I'm thinking to drop off into hell any minute. <laughs> I got up and went in the house. I said, Betty, did you see that dude? She said, yeah, was he from the church? I said, yeah. She said, are they gonna come by every day? I said, I don't know if they're gonna come by every day, but Betty, I wanna ask you a question. She said, what? I said, do you think I could go to heaven? And she looked me up and down. She said, no way. Why do you ask that? <laughs> I said, Betty, if what that dude says is the truth, I can go to heaven. You can go to heaven. Anybody can go to heaven. She said, what did he tell you? I told her the whole story. She said, you know, that makes more sense than anything else I've heard. She went her way. I went my way. That was in May of 1982. And listen, that, that preacher left that day, but the Holy Spirit of God never did. I'd turn on that TV, and there'd be some preacher sticking his finger right under my nose going, you must be born again. I'd cut that stuff off. My kids would bring those papers home, and all I'd see was, you must be born again. I'd go in restaurants, and those little red tracks, Bible tracks, all I'd see was, it looked like family Bibles laying under me, said, you must be born again. Well, time went on, things got worse. I was ready to leave. As a matter of fact, I told Betty I, I'd had about all I could take. I said, you know, I think I'm just gonna go down at mom and daddy's farm. They had a farm down in Newton, Georgia. I said, I think I'm gonna build me a liquor still, grow some pot, just drink liquor and smoke pot till I die. That's what I was looking for as a future. And, and, and I got so drunk that night and I, and I passed out on the couch and listen, about three or four o'clock in the morning, Betty woke me up and I said, what do you want? She said, I know what we need. I said, what's that? She said, we need Jesus. I said, I don't need Jesus, I need a drink. 
I got up, got my bottle, went to the pool, sat down, she came out, she would not be quiet. She said, Terry, we need Jesus. I know we do. What that man said was right. We need that, and, and, and I want that. And I said, well, great, you can have it. I don't want anything to do with it. And she said, Terry, and we started back in the house, and it was, uh, sun was beginning to come up. She said, Terry, will you pray for me? Well, we didn't even say a blessing. I said, pray for you. She said, would you pray for me? And I, I said, why not? She said, get on your knees. I felt just like I did the day the guy came by and told me about being born again. I was too scared not to. So I got on my knees. I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on. Betty says she wants you. Well, I hope she gets you. In Jesus' name, amen. It was a prayer. I went upstairs, got in the bed. The boys were at my uh, mother's house. Just me and Betty there. Church bus come by the next morning like every Sunday morning, woke us up. Betty got up and got dressed, was going to church. And she didn't ever go to church. I said, Betty, why are you going to church? She said, I told you last night I need Jesus. I said, well, go. She did. She went. And I, I got up and I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get dressed. And I saw a sign at Simon Malone's bar yesterday. And I'm going to go down there. They're having pink champagne and eggs benedict. And I'm going to get in. I'll be drunk before she gets home from church. Well, I tried to leave. She was already gone. I tried to get in that truck. Honest to goodness, the Holy Spirit of God would not let me. Every time I put my hand on that handle, I felt just like I did that day. The man told me about being born again. I was too scared to get in the truck. I was too scared to admit it. And I felt like a little old boy. And I just went in the house finally and sat down. I thought, well, what I need is a drink. And I went downstairs. I couldn't have no more took a drink than nothing in the world. But listen, about 12, 15, my phone rang. And it was my wife, Betty. And she said, I'm so glad you're there. She said, don't go anywhere. She said, Terry, she said, I got saved. I said, saved from what? She said, Terry, I met Jesus. I said, good for you. Where are you? She said, I'm in Swanee, Georgia. I said, between here and Swanee, you ran up on God? She said, Terry, I, I just need to talk to you. Don't leave. She came home and listened. She walked in the door and I, I, she didn't have to say a word. I mean, her countenance, I mean, I could tell there was something going on here. And she sat down, she held my hand, she rubbed my hand. She said, Terry, I love you. God loves you. She said, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. She said, I feel so clean. I feel so pure. I feel so good. And I said, Betty, let's go get something to eat. And I took her to a restaurant and we must have sat there for two hours and she would not shut up. <laughs> She told me where she walked down the aisle. She told me where she bowed. She told me what she said. She told me what it felt like. I, I, honest to goodness, I felt the same way I did when the guy came by and told me about being born again. I was scared all over again. I felt sick and I did not know what to do. So we went home. She started to get dressed and I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going back to church. I said, come on, Betty. Don't drive this thing in the ground. You went this morning. She said, I'm going back tonight and I'm begging you to go with me. I said, Betty, I'm not going. I won't do it. I will not. She went to church and I didn't, but the Holy Spirit stayed there with me. I sat there on that bed and looked out that window and saw the cars coming down the road. And like the Holy Spirit said, how many times, Terry? How many times have you come down that road and you know where you've been and you know what you did? And I felt so guilty and I felt so bad and I, I thought, but I don't know what to do. And I, I said, Lord, I can understand you saving Betty. She was a good girl until I got a hold of her. And, and Lord, I, I just, I don't know what to do. I went downstairs. The neighbors were fighting and cursing. And you know what the 
Holy Spirit told me, he said, you said you'd never be like your daddy. And he said, you're not, you're worse. And I was, and I thought, oh God, I can't live feeling like this. I didn't know a lot about the Bible, but I tell you one thing I knew, I knew for a fact, I knew for a fact, not for a fact, but I knew that I had been told that Jesus would come back one day. Well, I was so scared and I was so afraid. I was sitting there and I thought, well, now this is great. Betty went, Betty got saved. Jesus has come back. She's gone to heaven and I'm sitting here and all, I'm going to hell. And I called the church and I asked him, was my wife Betty there? I said, she came this morning. The guy said, the little blonde. I said, yeah, the little blonde. He said, uh, well, yeah, she's here. They're having a baptismal service. I said, she's getting baptized. He said, no, we're just having a service, but she's here, I'll get her. I said, no, forget about it. I just want to make sure she was there. She came back home that night and I want to tell you, she walked in the door and that countenance and the presence of God, of God living in her. And she went upstairs, she said, I'll fix you something to eat. You hadn't eaten, have you? And I said, no. And she started fixing me something to eat. And I started a conversation with God. And I said, Lord, I can't make you no promises. I said, Lord, I can't make one. I said, if I tell you I won't take another drink of liquor, I'm lying and you know it. And Lord, I can't promise you I'll go to church with Betty because I've never kept my promises. And Lord, I, I don't know what to do. And for the first time, it was like the Lord said, now you're talking. Now I'm listening. Talk to me. And I said, God, I'm hopeless. God, I'm helpless. I, 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 I can't do anything good. I can't do anything for you. And I don't know what to do. And I'm so sick of me. And I'm so sick of my life. And I'm so sick of the way I live. And I'm so tired of this. And God, I don't want to be like this. And Betty came downstairs and sat down beside me. And she looked at me and she said, are you all right? And I said, no, I'm not all right. I said, I, I'm so tired, Betty, of fighting God. I said, I don't want to fight God anymore. And I didn't get on my knees. I didn't even close my eyes. I looked Betty eye to eye. And I said, Betty, this is it. I said, I accept Jesus Christ as my savior. Before I could stand up, it was a done deal. I walked across that room. I turned around and looked at Betty and all I could say, well, I said, Betty, God saved me. She couldn't talk. She was just nodding, crying and shaking her head. Uh huh. I said, Betty, this is wonderful. I said, God is love. And I never in my life ever experienced anything. It's like all of hell went out and it was like all of heaven came in. I didn't know what to do. I said, Betty, let's go to bed. So I went up and got into bed. Listen, I laid there. And those tears ran down in my ears and I kept saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I've always done the wrong thing, said the wrong thing, went to the wrong place, always. I said, but Lord, this is, this is it. This is the greatest thing that could ever happen. And Lord, I, I just thank you. I just appreciate it. And I, did, I didn't know what, I said, thank you. This seems so small. And I did. I laid there in that bed that night. I didn't know what I was saying. I just finally said, Lord, if you ever need anything, I'm your man. I slept like a baby. Listen, I got up the next morning. The sunshine was pouring in that room. I sat up, I looked out. That was the bluest sky I'd ever seen in my life. The clouds, I looked at the grass. It just smelled clean. I felt clean. I said, Betty! She jumped up and said, what? I said, are you still saved? She said, well, yes, I'm still saved, are you? I said, well, yes, I am. And I got dressed and I got in my truck and, and I started up the road. The devil said, don't you tell nobody. 
I said, man, you ain't got to worry about me. I ain't nobody going to believe this. No, I ain't telling. He said, no, I mean, don't you tell nobody. I said, I'm not. I said, I ain't, I ain't no doubt about it. I'm not telling anybody. There's no way. I'm not telling. I'll not do it. Got to work, walked in, walked down the hall. Howard Cocker, my drinking buddy, high five me. said, man, what's happening? I said, I got saved. <laughs> I told everybody I met that day I got saved. I hated my daddy. I did. I hated him. I had a right to hate him, I thought. I hated him. I thought about him that day. And I thought, you know, daddy's problem wasn't his drinking. Daddy's problem wasn't that he was mean. Daddy's problem is he never been saved like this. So, boy, that night I called my daddy. And I hadn't talked to him in a long time. We didn't get along. I mean, me and my daddy had fist fought. And I called him and I said, Daddy, what? I said, Daddy, I got saved. He said, saved from what? I said, Daddy, God saved me last night. He said, uh, okay. I said, no, Dad, it's for real. Betty got saved yesterday morning and I got saved last night. He said, okay. He said, is that it? I said, well, yes, sir, that's about it. He said, okay. We hung up. I said, Betty, he don't know a thing about this. He don't care. Next day, Daddy, what? I said, <clears throat> still saved, Daddy. I said, Daddy, you ever been saved? He said, Terry, why are you doing this? I said, well, Daddy, because I want you to be saved. Well, why do you care? I said, because I care about you. He said, what? I said, I care about you. He said, is that right? I said, Daddy, I love you. Well, I'm glad you got saved. Talk to you later. Next day, I called him back. I called him every day for two weeks. He cussed me. He hung the phone up. He threw the phone down. My mama finally called me and she said, Terry, look, I know you're trying to do something good. She said, but you're not down here with him. She said, you, you don't need to call him every day. But I did for two weeks. The Friday before Betty and I were to be baptized, I called him and asked him, would he come to see us get baptized? And he said, no. And he said, Terry, listen. He said, I'm glad for you and Betty. He said, but I'm too old. He said, I'm 61 years old. He said, Terry, you realize I've been drinking 44 years? He said, I understand God saving y'all or whatever. He said, but I've waited too late. I've waited too long. And I didn't know. As far as I knew, he might have been telling the truth. And I said, well, Daddy, I just think you ought to give it a shot. And I said, but anyway, I'd like for you to just come see us get baptized. He said, well, I, I don't think so, Terry. And he hung up. Well, I went in and I was heartbroken. And I just started fumbling through the Bible. And I got to Romans 10, 13. And it said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. And I said, Betty, listen to this. For whosoever. I said, now who do you think for whosoever is? I said, would that be old people, young people, black people, white people, men, women, boys, girls? She said, well, I reckon it would. I said, Daddy, you ain't waited too late. He said, what are you talking about? I said, Daddy, I guarantee you, you hadn't. He said, how can you say that? I said, Daddy, I didn't say that. God did. He said, how can you say that? I said, Daddy, if you believe the Bible's the word of God, you got to believe it. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, Daddy, for whosoever. Would that be old men? Would that be 61-year-old men that had been drinking for 44 years? I said, Daddy, reckon that's whosoever? And he said, I don't know, son. And Betty said, hand me that phone. Now, he didn't like me, but he loved Betty. 
Betty said, Papa, if you'll come Sunday and see us get baptized, I'll cook you lasagna. And my daddy said, Betty, you ain't fighting fair. <laughs> he came. He came to service that morning. He held on. He wouldn't move. He walked out of that church lost and broke my heart all the way home. I said, God, I've never seen him in church but once, and that's when his mother died. And oh, Lord, I, I said, he'll not come back. And Lord, that's the only shot he'll have. And Lord, why didn't you save him? Why didn't you do something for my daddy? We got home and we ate. And after dinner, my daddy came to me and he said, uh, Terry, I got a question. I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, y'all go to church on Sunday night? I said, yes, sir. We'd been two Sunday nights in a row. <laughs> he said, would it be too much trouble if I stayed on and me and your mama went back tonight? I said, no, sir. I said, daddy, it wouldn't be no trouble at all. And I shut my mouth. I called John, the guy that had come to me and by the pool and witnessed to me. And I said, John, it's Terry. My daddy's coming back tonight. And John said, he's got to be under conviction. I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, but it's a miracle of God that he's coming back, John. John said, Terry, daddy, said, uh, Terry said, God's going to save your daddy tonight. We went back to church. I'm going to tell you, they preached, they prayed, they sang. They gave the invitation. Daddy wouldn't move. I looked over. There was three rows of, of pews in that church. And I looked over and John was on the far left on the front row. About the third invitation, I saw John climbing over the pews. And I thought, what is he doing? And then he climbed across, and he came across the middle rows, and I thought, oh no, he's headed over here. If he says something to daddy, daddy will hit him right in his nose. <laughs> and sure enough, he came in, fell right down beside daddy, and he said, Mr. Hopkins, he said, I met you this morning. I'm John. He said, yes. He said, uh, what do you think about your son and your daughter-in-law getting saved? He said, I reckon that's all right. He said, Mr. Hopkins, he said, you have been saved? Daddy said, no, sir, I haven't. And he said, Mr. Hopkins, he said, wouldn't you like to come to the altar and just talk to God about it and see what God might do? And to my amazement, my daddy said, yes. He walked down that aisle. We got down there. John said, Terry, you pray. I didn't know how to pray. I just said, God, do it. Please do it. It wasn't long. I heard those men laughing. And John got me by my shirt and pulled me up. He said, your daddy got something to tell you. I looked at that little old face and it was shining. He had never looked like that. I said, daddy, what is it? He said, son, I got saved. Hey! Surely I had, but I could never remember it. But I took him by his face, kissed him on his forehead, and he said, let's go back to our seat. He spent the night that night. Next afternoon, I didn't have to call him. He called me. He said, Terry said, I had one drink in here left. And I thought, oh, no. And he said, I poured it up. I was going to take me a last drink. And I was going to be done with that stuff. He said, I got it poured up. But about the time I got it poured up, he said, God made me pour it out. <laughs> he lived for 15 years after that. And he never had another drink. Never said another cuss word. He was the best friend I had on planet Earth.
We prayed together. We read together. He called me about three weeks after he was saved. And he said, Terry, he said, I got a problem. And I said, what? He said, they told me not to come back down to the service station no more. I said, Daddy, why would they do that? They said, they sick of me preaching. <laughs> I said, Daddy, don't you ever quit. I said, they run you off, go back. I said, you love them. You tell them. It wasn't but about a week Daddy called me, a young fireman, young boy down there that hung out at the station, come by his house and knocked on the door. Said, Mr. Hopkins, said, I've been listening to what you said and I'm not saved. Said, I want to be saved. Daddy led him to the Lord. And I tell you what it was on. My daddy died 15 years after he got saved. He was legally blind. I stayed with him for 15 days in the hospital, his last 15 days. Somebody come in the room and he'd say, excuse me, have I met you? And if they said no, he said, well, could I ask you a question? They'd say, well, of course, Mr. Hopkins. And he'd say, well, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? He never quit telling about Jesus, ever, never. I preached his funeral because he told me to. And he said, hey, he said, don't you be wasting no time telling about that. He said, you preach the gospel. He said, then you give an invitation. He said, my friends are going to be there. My family's going to be there. And he said, Terry, I mean, you tell it to them. You tell it to them straight. And he said, for goodness sakes, give an invitation. I can't stand to see somebody preach and not give no invitation. When he died, he was the treasurer of Faith Baptist Church in Newton, Georgia. And if some have compassion, making a difference. Now, I know the theme this week is as the Father sent Jesus, he said, so send I you. When I got saved, I joined everything. I joined the bus ministry. I joined the choir. I joined the women's ministry, if they'd let me. <laughs> I did. My first job was washing buses. I was. I was the bus washer. It's not what you're doing. It's who you're doing it for. Amen. I got in this book. I read through it a dozen times. I couldn't get enough of it. I'd pray at night till I prayed through. I don't know what you call it. I just call it, man, it's like being in heaven. And I'd wake my family up. I thought, well, they can just come down here and get in on this. Well, they thought I'd lost my mind. But I couldn't get out of this book and I wouldn't get out of this book. And I'd been saved about a year and I began to get it. I began to understand what was going on. I got into John and I couldn't get out of John. And I read this verse. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will send you, send you, Terry Hopkins, another helper that he may abide with you forever. Well, now Jesus is telling me if I love him to keep his commandments. Well, then I started looking for his commandments and everywhere I looked, he said, go. Go, go and tell. So I said, well, Lord, I, I love you. I'll go anywhere. And then it said, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you, Terry Hopkins, you knew him for he dwells with you and he's in you. I said, now, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in me and he's living in me. And I started studying about the Holy Spirit and I found out he came to convict sinners of sin and to convert people like he did me. And then it just dawned on me, well, wait a minute. If he's in me, he can't go nowhere. I don't go. 
He can't bear witness to nothing I don't say. So I said, Lord, I think I'm getting this. I was on the way to pick up Betty. She worked in the building that was three floors. She worked for Bullet Bob Turley, the old Yankee pitcher back in the 50s. Some of you might remember Bullet Bob. But I thought, Lord, I got the secret of all secrets. World don't understand it. But Lord, now I do. I get it. Holy Ghost is living in me. And he's all powerful. I already knew the power of the gospel because when I'd been saved three weeks, the man that led me to the Lord took me to Joan Glancy Hospital, Brother David, gave me a handful of tracts in the New Testament. And I said, what are, what are we going to do? He said, we ain't going to do nothing. He said, you go knock on some doors, tell them about Jesus. I said, you got to be kidding. I hadn't been saved a month. He said, Terry, he said, are you ashamed? I said, ashamed of what? He said, ashamed of Jesus. And he showed me Romans 1, 16. I said, I, no, I'm not ashamed. He said, then go on. I walked up and down that hall. I sweated. I, I, I don't know how long I walked up and down. Finally, I just said, okay, that's it. I'm going to do it. Knocked on the door, walked in the room. Man was laying there in the bed. Wife sitting beside him. I said, you don't know me. I'm Terry Hopkins. And I'm from the church. And I got saved. And I just come to tell you about how you can be saved. And that guy grunted like an animal. <sighs> Threw the covers back. Set up. And I thought, oh God, what have I done? He got up, walked across with that little gown on and went to that bathroom door and opened it. You ever heard a bathroom door slam in a hospital room? Sounds like dynamite going off. And I thought, oh God, I've done it now. I've messed up. Oh Lord, what am I going to do? And his wife looked at me and smiled and grinned and got me by the arm. And she says, come with me. And we walked out in the hall. I said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I said, I, and she said, no, 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 no. She said, I'm a believer. My husband's not. She said, for two days, said he had hemorrhoid surgery. They've been trying to get him out of bed. She said, it took the power of God to get him out of that bed. I said, now that's power. That's power. That's power. But listen, it'd been a year down the road and I, I'd found out what was going on. I found out why people got so nervous when I got around them. I thought it was me. It wasn't me. It's the Holy Ghost that lived in me. So I, I said, Lord, whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, how you want to do it, Lord, it's your call. You tell me, I do it. Holy Spirit, it's me and you. Walked in the building, walked into the elevator, the door shut, the thing was cramped. It's like the Holy Spirit said, well, this be a good start. <laughs> now? Now? Oh, God. <clears throat> I said, excuse me, you don't know me. My name's Terry Hopkins. And I got saved. Well, we didn't go but three floors. Must have took 10 minutes. Nobody said amen. Nobody patted me on the back. Nobody said, good job. But that door opened and you'd have thought they'd been shot out with a slingshot. <laughs> I was alone. I went in where Betty was and I said, Betty, did you realize that the Holy Spirit lives in you and that he's a person and that he's all powerful and that he, you, hey, he can't go nowhere. You don't go. And she said, can't you see I'm trying to work? I said, Betty, you got to listen to this. And she said, Terry, just give me five minutes. I gave her five minutes. We walked out and we was walking down the hall and the door opened at the end of the hallway and a guy says, uh, excuse me. And I said, me? He said, you got a moment. I said, well, certainly. And Betty and I walked down there. I said, how can I help you? He said, I was in that elevator and I'm not saved. Yeah. Yeah. 
I said, well, you can be. We led him to the Lord. And I want to tell you something. I went absolutely nuts. He got saved and every day. He'd run down way back. He said, you know, I was reading the Bible. He said, Betty, you ain't going to believe this. He said, I cussed yesterday. And he said, I ain't never felt like that in my life. He said, I had to get on my knees and ask God to forgive me. And Betty called me and she said, that man really got saved. <laughs> well, yeah, of course he did. Listen, I went absolutely nuts. I come in one night about 1030 and Betty said, where you been? I said, you don't believe it. She said, where have you been? I said, you're not going to believe it. She said, try me. I said, Betty, God gave me a ministry. She said, God gave you a ministry. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, doing what? I said, pick it up hitchhikers. <laughs> she said, Terry, don't pick up any hitchhikers. I said, Betty, you don't understand. You get up by 75, 80, they ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I was going down I 85 toward Greenville, South Carolina one afternoon. And there was a guy on the side road that looked like I used to. His hair was down to here. He had on old moody shorts and a football jersey and high top tennis shoes. And, and that reminded me down on 14th Street when I first got to Atlanta, they said there was a guy down there that looked like that, but he just had one high top tennis shoe. And said the police stopped him and said, son, said, I believe you've lost a shoe. He said, no, man, I found one. <laughs> but I picked that guy up. He ran upside the car when I stopped him. He said, hey, man, how far are you going? I said, all the way to heaven, son, get in. <laughs> he got in. I took off up the road, and the first thing I said to him when I got up about 60, 70 miles an hour, I said, son, if you died right now, do you know you'd go to heaven? He said, man, don't hurt me. I said, son, I'm not going to hurt you. But I want you to know, about 45 minutes later, when I let him out, I said, son, how far are you going? He said, I'm going all the way to heaven. I fell in love with Jesus. I mean, the moment I met him, how could you not love somebody that would do for me what he did, do for my daddy? My mom got saved three years after me and daddy because she's the one that went to church, didn't cuss, didn't drink. She lost church member. And three years, she hated me and my daddy. Mother's Day, 1985. Daddy called me that Saturday before and he said, well, he said, your mama might leave me, but he said, I got to do it. And I said, what are you going to do, Daddy? He said, I'll tell her she's lost, she's going to hell, she ain't fooling me, you the preacher of God or nobody else. <laughs> if she leaves, she leaves. I said, Daddy, I'll pray for you, you go for it. He told her, he called me back about nine o'clock and he said, I'm going to bed, she's in the guest bedroom, but she ain't left. I said, well, praise God, Daddy. Six o'clock, Mother's Day, 1985, Sunday morning. Got a phone call. Mama was crying. I thought Daddy had died. I said, Mama, what's wrong? She said, ain't nothing wrong, son. She said, I just got saved. I'm going to tell you, church, the Holy Spirit, I never dreamed I'd be doing what I'm doing. I'm not only going now, I'm sending Sending people all over the world. I've got to go all over the world. I've got to preach the gospel. I've got to try to tell people all over the world about being saved. I just never dreamed. The churches know how to do everything. We know how to hit every note. We do. We can preach. 
But if we're not trusting the Holy Spirit, and if we don't become hopeless and helpless, I wished you knew how hopeless and helpless I felt on an airplane today coming here. I wished you knew how dependent I was. I wished you'd have been in the motel room with me a little while ago when I said, God, I can't do this again. God, if you don't come through, ain't nothing going to happen. And God, you've got to help me. I can't do this. It's been almost 25 years and I'm still very well aware that it's all Him. Now I'm going to do what my daddy told me to do. I'm not going to speak about Jesus and not give an invitation. Give you an opportunity. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Now, I just imagine everybody here should be saved. But I don't believe for one minute that everybody sitting in this building is saved. And what a glorious time. What a wonderful time to come to Jesus and to be saved. And I'm going to help you pray in a minute. And listen, prayer won't save you. When you get convicted so bad, you've got to come no matter what. You're ready to do business with God. And if you're not that way, don't come. You know, you might have a daddy you give up on. You might have a sister, a brother, a mother, a neighbor. And you know, God sent you. He saved you. He sent you. He commanded you to go. Mary preached the greatest message that's ever been preached at the first miracle, at the wedding of Cana. When she told those servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Just obey him. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Father, I pray if there's anyone right now, Lord, within the sound of my voice, it's not born again. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, convict them. Oh Lord, right now, and show them that they're lost. And Lord, show them that you love them and that you want them and that you're willing to save them. Then Lord, I pray for every preacher, every pastor, every person in this room that's saved. Lord, you want to send them. And Lord, it doesn't matter if it's around the corner to India. All that matters, Lord, is that they obey you. So I pray in this next few minutes, Lord, uh, give them that opportunity. Give them an opportunity to come. Lord, if they've been doing it in their flesh, give them an opportunity to come and say, I can't do this, Lord. I can't go on like this. And God, I'm hopeless and I'm helpless. And Lord, I want you to help me. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, we didn't come out here today, uh, Lord, for any other reason, Lord, than to uplift you. And Holy Spirit, for you have an opportunity to work in the hearts of the people in this room. So, Lord, I pray in the next few minutes that's exactly what you would do. And Father, we pray you'd do this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand with me for just one moment, is there somebody, Brother David, can pray for? Hello, Jesus. Yes, it's really me. After all the wrong I've done, Lord. I guess you're surprised to see me Here at your altar Like a beggar on bended knees Who's come here to beg you, oh Lord Please, please forgive me I can't make it without you, Jesus Yes, I finally see so let me 
surrender my life to you and Jesus Jesus please forgive me I've learned the truth about Satan's so-called good life oh it was just a candle it was just a candle Too short to burn through the night Now I'm here in the darkness And I come to you and plead Oh, light my life Oh, light my life And Jesus, please forgive me Oh, please forgive me I can't make it without you, Jesus Yes, I finally see So let me confess my sins And you can give me eternal life And Jesus, please, please Forgive me Well drivers We sure appreciate you Letting us ride along with you In the cab But we don't want to leave you Until you know that you know that you know If you died today If you'd go to heaven or not We want to make sure that you're saved and on your way to heaven. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, it's a simple little prayer. Or maybe you did when you was young and you haven't lived for God. Now's the time to make a U-turn and come back. God allows U-turns. All you have to do is pray from your heart and ask him to come into your life. Just pray a simple little prayer like, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart, and I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Driver, if you prayed that prayer with me, give us a call here at Lonesome Road Ministries at 618-383-2107, or call Chaplain Daryl Spicer. At 615-663-3199. We'd love to hear from you. We want to walk this walk with you. If you don't want to call us, call somebody and let them know that you fell in love with Jesus. Mile after mile, day after day, it's a long, hard ride down a lonesome highway Wheels are humming like a sad old song Windshield whoppers singing along Take me home Back where I belong Kinda lonely in this cab alone Just me and Jesus down a lonesome road 
playing on the radio, Merle Haggard singing, me back home, take me home, back where I belong, it's taking me home, back where I belong, it seems like years since I've been Friends, if you prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your heart, then we want you to give us a call. Our phone number is 618-383-2107, and we're going to end today's program like we end most of our programs. That's with my testimony in song that I wrote with the help of my songwriting partner, Tom Caldwell. And now we've got a new songwriting partner, Dennis McKay, and he has helped us with this song and brought it up to a new level. Here's... Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree off of our brand new CD, Lonesome Road, Volume 1. And yes, you'll be able to get a copy of this CD by calling us, 618-383-2107. Here's Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree. Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head 
I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Then I called his name. This chance would it be my last? Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross, broken-hearted and lonesome. So long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. Share the good news wherever I go. Yes, there's been a change. I'm not the man I used to be, and I tell everybody what's happened to me. How I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past, but I called his name. This chance could it be my last? Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree, and I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross, broken-hearted and lonesome. So long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Broken-hearted and lonesome, so long I'd been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.